And thank you for joining this week's podcast with the Archbishop Nicholas Duncan Williams. In this message, the Archbishop reveals the critical need for the body of Christ to deepen their relationship with God in the power of prayer. Receive revelation on the rules of engagement to enter into a higher dimension of spiritual warfare and intercession. Do you need to deepen your relationship with God in prayer? Secure your copy of the Archbishop's book, Prayer Moves God. Buy your copy today at ndwministries.org. Know today that this is God's word of revelation for you. Be empowered as you listen. It used to bother me when the Bible says that men ought to always to pray and not to faint and pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. And I used to say, how can a man pray without ceasing? But I realized that Paul himself prayed without ceasing several times. He said, I prayed for you without ceasing. I prayed for you without ceasing. I prayed for you without ceasing. So he himself practiced it. Then he said the other day, I pray in tongues more than you all. And, And I began to say to myself that why should we pray without ceasing? Then Jesus said, men ought to always to pray and not to faint. Why do we have to pray always and not to faint? You know, so this prayer thing, praying without, you know, men ought to always to pray and not to faint, you know, pray without ceasing. It used to bother me a lot because I'm a man of faith. And uh, I met Dr. Bassa through ICF. Is an organization of faith ministry where Kenneth Copeland, Papa Hagen, or Roberts, and all these people belong to Jerry Savelle and all the others, you know. <clears throat> As Martha remind me, Dr. Jerry Savelle is coming to town. He needs to come and speak for you. Yeah, yeah. He's a good friend, old friend of mine. I met him through Dr. Bassett anyway. So I began thinking why do we have to pray without ceasing? Why? Men ought to always to pray and not to faint. Why? A few years ago, I realized that the reason why we must pray without ceasing and why men ought to always pray and not to faint is because we are living in enemy's territory. Tell somebody you are living in enemy's territory. Never forget it. As long as you live, never forget that you are a stranger here. You are living in an enemy's territory. And this territory you live in, the one that rules it is not God. Second Corinthians 4.4. 4. The devil is the God of this world. Jesus calls him the prince of the power of the air and he also calls him the prince of the earth or the prince of this world cometh but has nothing in me. The prince of what? This world comes but don't have anything in me. And so the prince of this world will come. There's a message I'm working on entitled the tempter. It don't matter how young and old you are, he will tempt you. He's not the respecter of how old, young, gifted, or anointed you are. He will come at you. He will tempt you at the area of your strength. He will tempt you at the area of your weakness. He's the tempter. That is his name. And then in Luke 4, 5 and 6, he said, For all that you see, the kingdoms, the riches, the glory thereof, was Delivered unto me and to whomsoever I will, I give it. So who delivered it unto him? Adam. Through high treason. <clears throat> he hacked to the voice of his wife. And let me say this to all our young sisters here. When you marry, be careful. Because that domineering spirit comes out of manipulation and insecurity. 
And sometimes the women just want to dominate without knowing that you are being used. You want to be in control. You want to have power. You want to be heard. And if you are not careful, you can become a vessel and a tool in the hands of the enemy to destroy a good man. And I've seen a lot of good men destroyed by the voice of their wives. The woman speaks and the man shakes. Are you hearing me? Shaking men. Hallelujah. A young man came to see me and said that anytime he had a dream, he sees a snake lying by him in his bed. And he said, what do you think that is? And I said, I don't know. He said, don't you have any insight? And I said, at all. Silence cannot be quoted. So, at all. And I still haven't said anything. And you can't quote me. Because I said I don't know. That's what I said. So you can't quote me. Are you hearing me somebody? But he has to figure it out. Why he sees in his dream a snake lying next to him. Hallelujah. Say I hear you. So you must understand. Everybody say the rules of engagement. Now when it comes to prayer. When it comes to prayer. It's about technicalities and legalities see technicalities and legalities i have another message entitled abolishing the legalities until you understand the rules of engagement and the technicalities and the legalities you will not even understand and appreciate prayer Because people pray without understanding why they are praying. <clears throat> 1776, there was a revival that took place in Germany. And a group of people came together and they prayed for 100 years. And as a result of that 100 years intercession and prayer, men like Smith Wigglesworth in the 1860-70 got baptized in the Holy Ghost. And men like John Knox, who Queen Victoria of Scotland said, I am not afraid of all the armies of Europe put together, but I fear the prayers of John Knox. Where is the mantle of Smith Wigginsworth? And where is the mantle of John Knox? For this land once upon a time experienced such a move of God. The spirit of God and angels walk the length and the breadth of this land. And it has become spiritually desolate. You see all the church buildings everywhere empty. But they won't even sell it to us. They won't give it to us. Somebody say, I hear you. Somebody say, we live in enemy's territory. What you must understand is this. Satan is the God of this world. And let me explain to you how he became the God of this world. Okay? Bishop, please stand. Please stand. Let me do this. I'm the father. I give you this. This is a gift to my son. Is the dominion mandate. Say the dominion mandate. Over the earth. I make him the governor. The president. And the god of this world. This guy for whatever reason. Managed to manipulate him. And he handed over. What I give to him. I said give to him. Give, him, give it to him. <laughs> now. Watch this. I gave the gift to him. Who gave it to him? He did. Who is now in charge of the gift? Can he go back and take it? You've given it out. Can I take it from him? No. Because I gave it to him. And he gave it to him. The only thing that overrides this guy. 
and the dominion mandate is prayer. That's the only thing. Because, thank you, give it back my gift. Please be seated. Now, this is what you must understand. When the Bible says money answers all things, it's talking about the natural equation. Money only answers all things in the physical, not in the supernatural, not in the spirit. In the realms of the spirit is the word of God and prayer. Say the word of God, the word of God. and prayer. Answers all things in the spirit world. And power, prayer produces power. Money is not in the power equation. And prayer is not in the physical equation. So what money can do in the natural, prayer doesn't do it. And in the spirit, money cannot change things that are in the spirit. It can only change things that are in the natural. For instance, you can pray for a breakthrough. Money comes into your house. You need a car. You don't buy a car with prayer. You buy a car with money. You need a house. Money don't. Watch this. You need a house. Prayer doesn't buy a house. What buys a house? Money. So you must understand the equations. You must understand how these things work because there's a deception in the body of Christ today where people think that spirituality is prosperity. And maturity is when you have money. Spirituality has nothing to do with how much money you have. Somebody say, I hear you. You must understand how it works. Uh, if you look at somebody like Dr. Bassett, he doesn't have a mega church. And mega churches. But he's a spiritual father by ordination. Not by how many churches he has. Not by the private jet he has. He's a spiritual man by divine ordination. He's a father by ordination. He carries it. My father never wrote a book. I've written a lot of books. That doesn't make me more better than my father. If we don't understand the principles... Uh, we will misunderstand a lot of things and as we mature and grow in the things of God, we run into a lot of problems. See, I hear you. So you must understand how the principles work. Uh, and I'm trying to give you a little foundation before we begin to go into the scripture. I want you to see what happens when we don't pray and what happens when we pray. Somebody say, what happens when we don't pray? And what happens when we pray? A lot of the problems in the church and in the world today is prayerlessness. And there are two things the enemy doesn't like you and I to understand. And one is prayer and two is money. Because prayer answers all things in the spiritual realm and money answers all things in the natural realm. And he doesn't want, because whoever controls money, watch this, whoever controls money calls the shot. And whoever prays in the realms of the spirit determines the outcome of circumstances in the natural. So if the enemy can stop you from praying, because you see, he doesn't want anyone to dominate this world but him. He dominates this world. He's a tyrant. And he doesn't want anyone who comes into this world to have power over him. So he will do everything to neutralize your power, compromise you. So you never have power. Because he's in charge. Adam gave it to him. He doesn't want anybody to have power. Please recognize <clears throat> Prophet <clears throat> Prempe. Ajiman Prempe and the wife. Will you please recognize uh, his wife, my daughter, Rosemont? <clears throat> he came with <clears throat> his daughters, and they are all here. Wave at us. Yeah, those are all his daughters. Amen. <clears throat> and Brother Joel. 
Now it's your pastor's brother. Hallelujah. So you have to understand that by the rules of engagement, God has designed it in a way that nothing happens in the natural without prayer. And the reason is because the reason in the beginning in the Garden of Eden, there was no need for prayer. We didn't have to pray. There was no need. But after the fall of man, prayer became a daily necessity for daily triumph and for daily survival. And the reason is because the serpent came in, the adversary, and his job is to resist you and I. Is to resist you and make sure that God's agenda concerning our lives is not done. That's why Jesus said, pray that thy kingdom comes and that thy will is done. So when he said pray, it means that at the place of prayer, we enforce and we superimpose God's kingdom, which is his rule and his original intent, which is his will here on earth. Because there's an adversary here who will resist and oppose you to make sure the will of God for your life is not done. That is his job. Until Satan's, until Adam's lease, which Satan is using, expires, he's still legally in charge of this world. God is not in charge of this world. God is not. God is only in charge when prayer goes up. Prayer gives heaven authorization to intervene in the equation. Heaven only can come in and do something when prayer goes up. When prayer does not go up, the hands of God is tied. Because if God intervenes without being invited by man, because the earth is his footstool, and the earth he gave to the sons of men, and his throne is in heaven. And the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. You must understand that Satan fell, but he didn't lose his power. He lost his place. He lost his position, but he didn't lose his power. That's why in Luke 10, 19, Jesus said, Behold, I give unto you authority, not power, but authority, to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So Satan has power, but he doesn't have authority. There's a difference between power and authority. Power has to do with ability. But authority is delegated or conferred. You can't have authority if you are not under authority. You cannot teach if you haven't been taught. You cannot lead if you haven't been led. Are you hearing me, somebody? So you can't have authority unless it's conferred upon you or delegated. Say, I hear you. It's very, very important for you to understand this thing because if you don't get it, you go outside. Sometimes you find a young lady or a very slim, short man wearing the police uniform. He steps on the street and every car coming stops. He doesn't have power to do that. He's not stronger than the vehicles. So it's not power that is working. It's authority. Are you hearing me, somebody? So when... When you have authority, you don't struggle. You go to the courtroom and the judge sitting there was taught by the lawyer at the law school. And he's a loyal professor. And he taught the judge. He's 60 years old. The judge is 40 years old. And the judge said, uh, please be careful, counselor. Counsel, take it easy. Lest I hold you in contempt of court. And then the lawyer says, my Lord, objection. And the judge says, objection overruled. Prosecutor, go ahead with your case. And then he rules in favor of the prosecutor against the professor of law. There's nothing the professor of law can do. And what? Somebody say legalities. So that if you are sentenced to prison by the judgment or the verdict of that judge. If you run out of prison, wherever you go to, they'll find you. They'll be looking out for you. As soon as you put your social security number or any, I don't know what you use here in Britain, they will find you. As soon as that comes out, pound, 
the police comes after you. The only thing that frees you is when that judge or another judge overrules that verdict and frees you. Then you are out and you are free. If there is something in your bloodline or background that hasn't been dealt with and addressed, it gives demons the legal right. It provokes demons. It invites them to come after you because they have to police that thing to make sure it's happening. We call it handwritings of ordinances. Now I know that Jesus have died and shed his blood and by his stripes we were healed and if we were then we are. But a lot of Christians are sick and are not healed. He became poor that we might become rich, but Christians are broke. I'm not broke. <laughs> Amen? And he became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. But a lot of believers are struggling with sin. Struggling with all kinds of things. Let me not go there. Amen? Now, what is the issue here? It's a very simple thing. Your father makes a will and gives you $10 million provision in the will. Then one of your siblings or your father's brother, an uncle, an auntie, goes to court and says, no, I'm challenging the will. You have $10 million made for you. It's a provision. Your father made it for you. As long as the will is in court. And there's dispute over the will. Even though the provision is there, you don't have access to it. The word of God is God's will. And Satan is raising an objection that you are not entitled to all the promises in the word. And that is his job. His name means true accuser and false accuser. Satan, devil, true accuser, false accuser. That is his job. His job is to accuse you falsely and to accuse you with evidence. And he's always seeking and looking for evidence to accuse us. And sin gives demon legal grounds. I was praying recently and the Lord said, renounce the wages of sin by the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Renounce the wages of sin. And I said, why? He said, the wages of sin is death. So you die daily as a result of sinning daily. And there are different kinds of sins. I don't want to go into that tonight. There are different kinds of sins. If you look at Galatians, you will see there are many. And all of us are guilty of them. So he said, renounce the wages of sin. By invoking the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And the Bible says, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. Hallelujah. See, I hear you. Alright, I think that I've given you a little background. So let's look at some few things quickly because of our time. Um, First Thessalonians 5.17 Pray without ceasing. Thessalonians 5.17 mm -hmm. Pray without ceasing. Again. Pray without ceasing. So it's a command. Say it's a command. It's, a command. it's not a suggestion. It's a command. Pray without ceasing. It's a command. But it's also very difficult to pray without ceasing. Because there are so many distractions that comes at us 24-7 to prevent us from praying without ceasing. Why pray without ceasing? Never forget this. Because time won't let me explain it. You are operating and living in what? Keep that in mind. Never forget that. Because if you can grab that revelation that you are living in enemy's territory, it will then make sense to you why you must pray without ceasing. Because the enemy wants to dominate this territory and he doesn't want you to dominate. So whatever he can throw at you, you know, when two matches, you have, you have two 
maybe football teams playing, the coach will tell his guys, watch number seven. He's dangerous. Double down on him. If he gets the ball, we're in trouble. Stay on his case. The reason why so many of you go through challenges and battles and you don't even understand why you're doing, you're going through the things you are going through. And I've said, it looks like what comes easy for others always comes to me with a fight. It's like what others succeed in getting in a year, others will take five years, ten years to get it. Why? Because the enemy knows what you are capable of. He knows you have potential. And potential is what you are capable of becoming that you haven't yet become. That's what potential is. Are you hearing me? See, I hear you. I tell my children, I said, I said, if you find a man with potential, I will accept him. Yeah. I, 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 just bring somebody with potential. Because when I see potential, I can predict future. I can tell what you are about to become and what you become with potential. See, I hear you. I hear you. And the reason why so many of you are fighting, you know, I was telling some of my pastors and bishops today, I said, it's not easy to walk in the spirit. It's tough. Because as soon as we landed at the airport, we had a VIP lunch and they came. What do you want to drink? What do you want to eat? What do you want to drink? What do you want to eat? And I said, nothing. Nothing, thank you, nothing, thank you, nothing. Then they'll come again. What do you want to drink? What do you want to eat? I said, nothing. Then they go to my wife. And I said, go ahead, you can have something. Then she turns to me, this thing is very nice. You should touch them. <laughs> then this one come. And so when we got to the hotel, I said to my bishop, Bishop, uh, you were there? And Bishop Crazy, I said, you see? How they come at you from all angles. And all the enemy wanted me to do is to break the fast. And I said, I'm not eating. I'm fasting. I have too many things I have to think about. This is not time to be eating. This is not a food matter. There are some situations when you are going to deal with, you don't go with food in your stomach. When you are going to go and stand before God's children and you are dealing with spirits, Jesus said, this kind cometh not out except by no food in your stomach except by fasting and prayer and fasting simply means eh, simply means abstinence from food for spiritual purposes to give your undivided attention to God and I was literally being harassed eat something, have biscuit, have a drink we got to the hotel, they brought fruits, everything, have something, what do you want and I was looking at all of them and said look at the demons I didn't tell them that so be careful <laughs> but, but you could see how I was literally being harassed to compromise and it's about compromise the, 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 the tempter the prince of this world will throw everything at you for you to compromise. Compromise and lose your spirituality. Compromise and lose your power. Hear me. To work in power equation, you need purity. Purity produces power. As soon as you lose your purity, your power is compromised. I was telling a young man the other day about a situation. I said, I just can't help it. I just like sex. And I said, young man, let me ask something. When you finish, how do you feel? Bad. I said, then why do you keep doing it? Anything you do and you feel bad after doing it is not worth doing it. And he said, why am I being tempted? And I said, because the tempter wants your power. As soon as you compromise your purity, he has power. And he doesn't want any one of us to have power in this earth realm. Because this is his territory. And there are rules of engagement. We are ambassadors. We are ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven. And we have immunity. And we can function here 
on earth, having the upper hand if we operate according to the rules of our kingdom. When there was coup in Ghana in the late 70s and 80s, I had some friends of mine who were ambassadors. And at a particular time when they were curfew, they could drive to my house and nobody could stop them. They have diplomatic immunity. And as a citizen of Ghana, I didn't have those privileges and rights. They had it. It's diplomatic immunity. And you must also understand something. There are Americans who live here in the United Kingdom. They came on their own. And the State Department is not responsible for them. But there's another group of Americans who live here in the United Kingdom who were sent here by State Department to represent the interests of the United States and their foreign policy. The United States or the government of the United States is directly responsible for them. So you must understand how the rules works. Even though you are a believer, you just can't live any way, anyhow, and expect heaven to be responsible for you. Now, say Stephen, Stephen. say James. James, these two guys in the book of Acts were murdered. They were murdered, taken out prematurely before their time. But yet they were believers, gifted, very anointed, full of the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues. They were taken out because the church was not praying. The church was so excited about the gifts and the miracles and the anointings and the healings. They weren't praying. So the enemy came in and took those two leaders. And the Bible said when Herod saw that it pleased the people. Can you imagine how people can be happy to see men of God go down? When he saw that it pleased the people. That Stephen and James were murdered. They went after Peter. And they kept Peter in prison. And the Bible said, for the night before. Go to Acts chapter 12. Look at verse 5. Go ahead. Peter therefore uh -huh. was kept in prison. Uh -huh. But prayer was made without season. Without? Season. Without? Season. Without? Season. Go ahead. Of the church uh -huh. unto God uh -huh. for him. Uh -huh. Go ahead. Verse 6. Uh -huh. And when Herod would have brought him forth. When Herod would have brought him forth. You see what prayer does. It does many things. But there are two direct things it does. Number one. When we pray we intercept the enemy's agenda. Say interception. interception. Number two. We enforce the will of God. Say enforce. Go ahead, read verse 6. And when Herod would have brought him forth, uh -huh. the same night, uh -huh. Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. I prayed that before the enemy strikes. Prayer in the name of Jesus will intercept the enemy's agenda. Say yes. yes. Sit down for two minutes. As you are sitting here, do you know that the enemy has a plan for your life? Yeah. God has a plan for you. Satan also has a plan for you. And who wins has a lot to do with what I'm telling you. Because for 45 years I've seen too much in the body of Christ. That doesn't make sense. And I've tried to make sense of it. And I've come to one conclusion. That God can do nothing for humanity like John Wesley said until somebody prays. And as you grow and mature in the things of God. You will agree with me one of these days. I'm telling you. I can preach so many things to stir you up and make you laugh and make you happy. But you know what? Like Charles Spurgeon said, I'd rather teach one person to pray than ten people to preach. And if we can get our sons and our daughters to pray, if we can teach this generation to pray, we will bring kingdoms to their knees. What the enemy fears the most is a praying man and a praying woman. But Dula Magadayas. Salakutan. Deleiku Tawahan. Deiki Fandu Wasan. Yahandu Malahada. 
The name of Jesus. You can look at me anyhow you want to. But I'm not ashamed to pray in tongues publicly. Are you hearing me somebody? See I hear you. And watch this. Whose shadow fell on the sick and they were healed? Who? Peter. Who raised Dorcas from the dead? He had power to raise the dead. His shadow fell on the sick and they were healed. But he was in chains and kept in prison and about to be murdered. So being gifted is not enough. Anointing is not enough. Gift is not enough. Are you hearing me? You need the intercession of the church, the saints, without season. And the angel of the Lord came in response to the prayers that went up without season for the church because the church said, Enough is enough. Somebody say, It's enough. Somebody say, It's enough. Somebody say, Not this one. Somebody say, Not this time around. Somebody say wrong address. Go somewhere else. Somebody say change course. The name of Jesus. The church said no, 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 no. Somebody said no, 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 no. Not this one. Somebody said you can't have this one. So we pro we prohibit it. We forbid it. In the name of Jesus. Say we strip every adversary. Of any trusted weapon. Say we dismantle. And we squash. On the account of the blood of Jesus. Every technicality. And legality. That gives the adversary. The right to kill. To steal. And to destroy. And to kill. We take away their rights. We repeal the rights of the enemy. In the name of Jesus. See I hear you. The night before, Peter would have been brought up and murdered the next day. An angel of the Lord intervened. And hear me, angels don't come because they are angels. They come in response to prayer. So the reason why we don't experience angelic activities, I've experienced an angel rescue me from a situation before, many years ago in Bolgatanga. An angel came and pulled me out of a terrible accident. And I survived when many died. Listen. Come to Acts chapter 16, 25. Look at something there. Acts chapter 16, verse 25. Uh -huh. And at midnight, mm -hmm. Paul and Silas prayed. And at, and at midnight, they were in toss to and fro. They were not restless. They were not tweeting. They weren't on social media talking and crying. They were what? Praying. We spent too much time talking than doing what is required. At midnight, Paul could sense that tomorrow morning, if heaven does not intervene, we don't know what shall become of us. For the enemy has an agenda and we must intercept or interrupt the outcome of Satan's agenda. Say the outcome. The outcome. There is an agenda. Ah. And the outcome is not good. Ah. It's an evil outcome. And Paul and Silas said, we must do something tonight before tomorrow morning. Go ahead, read it. And sang praises unto God. Uh -huh. And the prisoners heard them. Uh -huh. And suddenly. Suddenly. You know why? There are no suddenlies anymore in the church. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We sleep at midnight. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying don't sleep at midnight. But at midnight, there are four watches of the day and four watches of the night. I am calling for one million intercessors that will pray. And you must go online and register. There are four watches of the day, four watches of the night. I'm asking one million intercessors to turn in the gap. Let me tell you something. There is no hope for the world if we don't pray. There's no hope for our nations. If we don't pray, our nations, it's going down. I'm telling you. Because we are dealing with an adversary who is older than you and I. The Bible calls him the old serpent. Tell somebody he's older than you. 
Tell somebody, he was here before you were born. He's good at what he does. Right, read it and see. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. So that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened. And everyone's bands were loosed. Hear me. All that happened was a result of prayer. Tell somebody, nothing happens. Nothing happens. Until we pray. Until we pray. I'll show you something. In the book of Genesis 15, Genesis 15, God had promised Abraham and said that your descendants will go into captivity for 400 years. And then he said, after 400 years, I'll bring them out. Can I talk to you? Then he said this. He said, after 400 years, I'll do what? I'll bring them out. But realize that they stayed in captivity for 430 years. The 30 years was unnecessary. And the reason for the 30 years of captivity was because of prayerlessness. Let me show it to you. Come with me. Genesis 15. Genesis chapter 15. Verse 13. Verse number 13. Mm -hmm. And he said unto Abraham, Mm -hmm. Know of a surety, that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs mm-hmm. and shall serve them mm-hmm. and they shall afflict them 400 years. Go ahead, 14. Verse 14. Mm-hmm. And also that nation whom they shall serve mm-hmm. will I judge mm-hmm. and afterwards shall they come out with great substance. You'll come out with what? Great substance. So it's not what you're going through but it's what you come out with. Mm-hmm. So come out better than before. When you go through something, you come out and you must be better than before. See, I hear you. But he said they will come out with what? Great substance. And the verdict or the sentence was how many years? 400 years. Eh? Come with me to Exodus. Exodus. Chapter 2, verse 23. Exodus 2, 23. Mm -hmm. And it came to pass Mm -hmm. in the process of time Mm -hmm. that the king of Egypt died Mm -hmm. and the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage. Mm And they cried, and their cry came up unto God Mm -hmm. by reason of the bondage. Chapter 2, chapter 3, verse 9. Chapter 3, verse 9. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel Mm -hmm. is come unto me. Mm -hmm. And I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Thirty years of delay in Egypt, Mm -hmm. because there was no prayer or intercessor. Thirty years. There are so many of you, your deliverance, your breakthrough has delayed. Mm. Come with me to James chapter 5 verse 13. Look at James 5 13. James chapter 5 uh-huh, verse, verse number 13. Mm-hmm. Is any among you afflicted? Mm-hmm. Let him pray. Mm-hmm. Is any merry? Let him sing songs. If any among you is stressed out in pain, Afflicted, bitter, hurt, offended. Let him cry. Let him talk about it. Let him react. Let him be angry. Let him be bitter. But let him what? So what happens when you don't pray? You prolong the pain. You prolong the affliction when you do everything else but pray. Because God said that is divine prescription for affliction. Amen. Amen. Psalm 34 verse 6. Psalm 34 verse verse 6. This poor man Mm -hmm. cried Mm -hmm. and the Lord had him Mm -hmm. and saved him out of all his troubles. How many of you are mothers here? You have children. You have children. Give me a wave of it. What happens when your baby cries? What are the reasons? Give me a few reasons. Hunger. Discomfort, attention. So, what do you do as a mother when you hear the baby cry? You act. Yes. Don't you? Okay, look at Psalm 119, verse 162. Psalm 119, verse 162. Uh huh. 169. No, 62. What? Psalm 119, verse 162. 26. No, 126. 126. Okay. Psalm 119, verse 162. 26. Uh-huh. It is time for thee, Lord, to work 
for they have made void thy law. It is time for God to what? To work. Another translation, it is time for you to act. What happens when baby cries? What does their mother do? They act. They act. And God said, you haven't cried out yet. Because if you cry out, I will act. And God said, I'm waiting for you to cry. It means that you need some level of desperation. The Bible said that Elijah was a man subject to like passion as we are. But he prayed. And that word, the Bible said, he prayed with prayer. And I say, in prayer, he prayed. Then I say, he prayed until he prayed. Come on. Come are you hearing me, somebody? <laughs> when the baby cried, immediately, mommy does what? Acts to check and to find out what's going on. You are not yet desperate. A woman was believing God for healing. And every night before she goes, she said, Lord, I will appreciate it if you heal me. Thank you, Jesus. And then she goes, and one day, an angel of the Lord came and said, woman, we will appreciate it if you are a little desperate. <laughs> Say, Lord, heal me. You remember blind Bartimaeus was following after Jesus? And he said, Lord, Jesus, have mercy on me. And the disciples said, shut down. Keep quiet. Silence. Sit down. Stop it. He said, Jesus, have mercy on me. And the Bible said, they said, quiet. Silence. Then he said, oh, you are joking. This is my moment. This moment will pass me. Say yes. And he said, Jesus, have mercy on me. And the Bible said that Jesus stood still. And he said, Blind Bartimaeus, you got my attention. What do you want? He said, I might receive my sight. He said, you got it. You got your sight. Hear me. You are praying. But you haven't prayed. The Bible said you have not yet resisted to the place of blood. Jesus prayed in the garden of Gethsemane. To the sweat on his body. Became as cloth of blood. You haven't prayed. You know years ago. Please sit down. Don't let me preach. Okay quickly. Quickly. Years ago, I came to London, young preacher. Many years ago, I was believing God for money to buy a car. I didn't have a car then. And I preached all over the place. Everywhere I preached, they invited me to come home and eat Ghana food. And I looked at them and said, you think I came here to come and eat Ghana food? What's wrong with you Ghanaian preachers? I was staying in Paddington in a hotel. And this particular day, it was time for me to go back home. I didn't have money for the car. I didn't have money to pay my ticket. I was desperate. Wow. So I locked myself in the hotel room and I said, I'm not eating today. And I said, Satan, let's face this thing. God doesn't create money. And God is not in charge here. He's in heaven. You are the one holding my money. Release it. In the name of Jesus. I screamed and prayed and dealt with the enemy. And then... I felt a note of victory in my spirit. Then I heard a song in key. Kunim, kunim, kunim. Kunim, wamoja ni mo. Wamoja. As soon as I heard that song, I knew I had a victory. Hear me. Less than an hour. Dr. Michael Bassett called me. My God. That was when I knew that this man was a spiritual man. He called me and said, Nick, where are you? I said, I'm in parenting. He said, can you come see me? I said, yeah, what is it? He said, the Lord said I should give you some money. I said, Michael, you are anointed. You are anointed. You are from God. Don't move. I'm coming right now. I 
jumped on the tube, went to Hampstead. He took me to Northwest and he signed a check and gave me 7,000 pounds in those days. Exactly what I needed to buy the car. And the next day I went back to Ghana, paid for it. And that was at the first brand new car I bought. It was Dr. Bassett that bought it for me. Sit down for two minutes. I have a way of, of defining spirituality. So it was on that basis I knew that this man is a spiritual man. Because the way I dealt with the enemy and heaven have to find somebody who hears from God. And send the message to him in his office in Hampstead. And said, my servant, my son needs some money. I need you to release that money. And he called me. I didn't call him. He called me. And he said, God, I should give you some money. And I said, this man is a spiritual man. Are you hearing me, somebody? Yes, sir. I was desperate. I wasn't going back to Ghana without that money to buy the car. The car was from the Canadian High Commissioner then. He bought it for the wife. The wife didn't like it. She wanted something else. So we were eating and he told me, so I'll buy it. Meanwhile, I didn't have money. I've gone to make a faith confession. And the man called and said, uh, when are you coming? When are you bringing the money? I have to get a new car for my wife. And I said, oh, don't worry, next week. And after I said next week, I look at myself. I've been in London for two weeks already. Nothing has happened. And I just realized that this thing, I'm not going to bother God about it. I'm not bringing God into this equation. So I said, Satan, you are the one holding the thing. Release my money. In the name of Jesus. I'm not eating. I overrule. I intercept. I overturn. I break loose. I turn loose in the name of loose it in the name of somebody say loose. Sit down for two minutes. If I wasn't desperate and if I hadn't prayed the way I prayed, Dr. Michael wouldn't have called me. Do you know when the angel came in the book of Daniel, the 10th chapter, he came in response of Daniel's consistent prayer without ceasing for 21 days. And the angel said, the first day you prayed, your words were received. And I have been intercepted and held up for 21 days. Do you know how many of you, your breakthroughs, and your blessings and your promotions. I was talking to a lady the other day. She's not married. And listen to what she said. She said, when she came around me and I started teaching some things, she's been a Christian for many years. She said, suddenly she said, mm, I need to look at these things Papa is saying. So she started fasting and praying. And she said she had a dream. And in a dream, she saw this handsome man tied and bound with chains in the forest. And the Lord said, that is your husband. You are looking at me. Some of you, your husband has been tied up. Some of you, your wife has been tied up. Some of you, your breakthroughs are tied up. Somebody say, loose. Somebody say, break loose, break loose, break loose. Someone say, break loose. With immediate effect by executive order. Never Jesus. Whoever has been tied up here, whoever is appointed to die between now and 31st December and beyond, appointed to die. Psalm 79, verse 11. Whoever has been appointed, whoever has been tied up, we lose you. Be loose. Loose. Somebody say loose. Somebody say loose. Somebody say break loose. Break loose. Break loose. In the name of Jesus. Break loose. Say yes. Sit down for two minutes. I was buying my first house. And it was $1.5 million. I didn't have the money. 
So the guy who owns the company, I've known him for 30 years, he called me and he said, my daughter tells me that you are interested in getting one of the houses here. And I said, yes. And I said, but I don't have 1.5. He said, I want you to come stay here to bring blessing to the estate. I said, I know that. Wow. So I said, what are you willing to do? He said, what are you willing to do? And I said, I can do 750. He said, but it's 1.5. I said, it's 750 I can do. And I said, it's 750 without thinking. I didn't have it. So I started thinking after I said it. And I said, but if I said it, that means that there's a provision for it. That means the thing is available somewhere. Amen. So I talked to one of the bankers in my church. And he said, oh, 750, we can give it to you. So I took the banker to the company. And I said, my bankers will sort, will sort it out. So I said, Mr. Banker, please sort it out and you can write the check. I was acting like I had the thing. <laughs> Listen, sometimes you have to act like you have it. <laughs> Hear me? Poor people don't like dealing with the poor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If you come to me and you want a thousand pounds to invest, I will ask you how much do you have personally? And if you say I have 500 or 300, 400, 700, I will do something to help you. But if you say you have nothing, I have nothing for you. Because if you don't believe in your dreams and your vision, I can't finance something you don't believe in it. If you believe in it, put some of your money into it. But if you have nothing, don't come to me, I won't mind you. And that's the way I see rich people. I had this rich friend of mine. <clears throat> He came to visit me years ago, and I said, he said, Nick, I see you need help. And I said, yes. And he said, if I give you a million dollars to pay me back within one year without interest, what will you do with it? I said, let me think about it. He said, mm-mm. You are not going to think about what to do with my million dollars. He said, I will just bless you with $50,000. You can keep that one, but I'm not giving you a million dollars. And I learned. So right now, if you tempt me, with even hundred million dollars, I have a plan. Are you hearing me, somebody? See, I hear you. Sit down for two minutes. Exodus 12 and 40. Exodus 12 and 40. Quickly, let me finish. Exodus chapter 12, mm -hmm. verse 40. Mm -hmm. Now, the surgeon of the children of Israel who dwelt in Egypt was 400 and 30 years it was what 430 years what was the result of the 30 years it was unnecessary god said 400 years do you know how many people have served their sentence served the verdict and they are still in captivity still in bondage still bound still tied up today on the account of the blood of jesus i declare you are greater than this child I declare case dismissed. Case dismissed. Free at last. Say free at last. In the name of Jesus. Look at Psalm 126. Psalm 126. He said, We were like them that dream when the Lord turned again our captivity. Are you hearing me? I declare the turning of captivities today. I declare the turning of captivities. Let God turn your captivity. Somebody say, Lord, turn, turn, turn my captivity, oh Lord. Turn it, turn it. Hear me. Go to Job 42, verse 10. Sit down for two minutes. Go to Job 42, verse 10. Job 42, uh -huh. verse number 10. Uh -huh. And the Lord turned the captivity of Job. Uh huh. When he prayed for his friends. When, the, when, when was his captivity turned? When he prayed for his friends. For nine months, Job complained. He cried. He cursed the day he was born. He blamed everything, everybody. The only thing he didn't do was to curse God. For nine months. He did everything but prayer. And after nine months, he came to himself. And he realized. That there is one weapon he hasn't deployed. Oh. And it wasn't prayer for himself. But prayer for those persecuting him. Mm. That is the secret of Dr. Michael Bassett. Oh. 
My wife said to me, he said, he said, he said, this guy is a survivor. Yeah. After all the betrayals and everything he's been through, mm. the guy is not bitter. Mm. And I said, that is the key. Yes, sir. That's why he's still my friend. Yes, sir. He's not bitter. We know you are blessed by that word of God and look forward to you joining the messages of the Archbishop Nicholas Duncan Williams again. For more information on our events, books and messages, please visit NDW Ministries online at www.ndwministries.org or call our offices on plus one eight seven seven three six one five one 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 once again thank you for joining the archbishop today and may you continue to experience the life transforming power of god's blessings